And I guess what I want to say is that what's good and beautiful is the presence of Christ. That that's, that's what is. Whenever we see beauty, whenever we see true goodness or true love, then, then we know that somehow that's the presence of Christ. That that's Jesus Christ. That again, that is not something random that just comes and goes, but that the presence of Christ is truly beautiful and is truly good. And um, there are times when we get to see that and then hopefully believe in it and trust in it and walk in it. You know, everyone who lives kind of a good life, right? I think most people would say they want to live a good life, right? Most people would say, I want to live a good life. And most of the people that do live a good life, they, they usually follow some set of principles or they, they follow some kind of a code that they have, something that they believe will guide um, their life. Um, and, and the same is, is true of us who follow Jesus Christ. I mean, we believe that, that a good life is one that's built on, on following Christ, right? That, that Christ is the foundation of our life. Um, Christ uh, gives this uh, little parable at the end of a, a long teaching that he has in the book of Matthew. And it's about a wise and a foolish builder and how um, each of them uh, build uh, in a place, the one that's smart, one that's not so smart. Um, since it's kind of a familiar story, I wanted to read it from the message. And, um, you know, I hope the words don't offend you, like calling one guy stupid, but the word is really stupid. It's really the best <laughs> translation of the word is stupid. So um, here's the parable. He says, Jesus said, the words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life. <laughs> Homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build your life on. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on a solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't put them into your life, uh-oh. If you just use the words in Bible studies and you don't put them into your life, then you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. When the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. It's funny how we miss that simple truth, isn't it? Because we don't know what's good and beautiful. We want things that we think we want, but we, re but we don't realize that, that we don't have an understanding of what that is. Just in building houses, where does everybody want their house? You want it on the beach, right? You want an oceanfront property. Everybody wants to be able to see the ocean. Let me tell you, the most foolish place to build a house is on the coast of Southern California. In fact, did you know that in most Southern California towns, if you build a house too near the ocean, they won't even insure it? I mean, you know Laguna Beach, it looks all nice from a distance, right? They even had a show about Laguna Beach. I've been to Laguna Beach. Let me tell you what Laguna Beach is like. It's full of canyons. And what happens in all of these canyons that lead to cliffs that are by the beach? It rains and there's mudslides and there's wildfire and there's all kinds of, there's such danger of a mudslide or an earthquake or a rainstorm wiping away the foundation that these houses are on, that these are multi-million dollar houses that you can't even get insurance for. Can you imagine? Can you imagine paying $5 million for your house and you have absolutely no way to get insurance for it? And if something happens, you've lost it completely. And so many of us live our lives that way. We seek after things that don't really bring us what we think that they're going to bring us, right? Because if you ask most people what they want, most people will say they want to be happy. That's the standard answer that's given by people. And if they answer something else, it's something that they think will make them happy. Like, I want to have a lot of money. I want to have a family. I want to have my health. 
Because the idea is that if I have a lot of money, if I have my family, if I have my health, then those are things that are going to make me happy. Well, a lot of those things, except maybe for the family, the wealth, the possessions, the achievement, the power, the prestige, the popularity, they don't really bring happiness. In fact, I saw this documentary, a friend of mine pointed me onto it, and it's called Happy, and it's on, the, it's on Netflix. And they interviewed psychologists, they studied people who've done studies on happiness, and they interviewed people. And when they interviewed people, when they said, what do you want for your life? Everybody said happy. But they said, well, what is happiness? What really brings happiness? And they were talking to psychologists who said, well, really, about 50% of your happiness comes from just your genetics, from how you're born. So everybody has a baseline of how happy they are, right? Some people are naturally more happy than others. So you've got your baseline of happiness, all right? And then about 10% are things that are outside of you that can affect you for a little bit. But 40% of your happiness is based solely on your choice and your perspective and what you do with your life. And that's what brings happiness. And they found that in countries like America and other countries, that the more things, the more possessions, the more successful people were, they were actually less happy. Now, they said, now don't get me wrong. The study did show that if you go from homeless to making 50000 a year, then yes, your happiness increases because a lot of your basic needs are taken care of. And your happiness, however they measure, will go up dra- drastically. But from 50000 to $50 million, there's no difference. So imagine that. From $5,000 to $50,000 a year, you can have a, a jump in your happiness. But from $50,000 to $50 million a year, there's no change in the amount of happiness that people experience. And so they go on to interview people all over the world in different contexts. And what makes people happy? And it really is this. It's being connected to a community of people. It's your perspective on life. You know, choosing to value things that aren't material, that aren't temporary, that aren't tied to money, choosing to align yourself with a cause that's greater than yourself. You know, and these are all people who, the whole documentary never mentioned the name of Christ, but they're kind of on the right path, aren't they? They're kind of on the right path that there's something more, something else that makes us happy as individuals because that's what we long for. A good life to us is a happy life. Well, really, I believe what Jesus is saying is that if you put my words into practice, you will understand what it means to not just be happy in the temporal, you know, transitory state, but to have true joy, true contentment. And you know why I believe this to be true? Because Jesus talks about this in, in the beginning of this sermon. So the parallel about the, the smart and the stupid carpenter, or the wise and foolish builder, is, comes at the end of a series of teachings that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 5 through 7 that's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's called the Sermon on the Mount because he gave it on a mountain. Imagine that, huh? And again, I want to read it, uh, I want to read it from the message just so that you can, you can hear some of the things he says in, in a little bit different way. For in the beginning, he says this. He says, blessed are these kinds of people. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. And, and he says all of these people that we normally don't think of as blessed. For some reason, we think that they're not blessed because they're in some situation of life that might, that might make them vulnerable or, or put them on the edge. Or, or maybe they are, they're striving for something good, but it's not something that gets noticed by a lot of people, okay? And this word blessed, it means that when you're blessed, you, you know, I mean, what does that word mean? That's such a great churchy word. I actually like some churchy words. I like the word blessed because there's almost no synonym for it. You know, you have to think about it. I mean, some people say it means happy, but... It means more than that. It's like you're, you're whole. Everything's right. You're content. 
You know, it's well with your soul. You're just like, there's goodness in my life. There's beauty. I would say you're blessed when you just feel like, man, there's tons of goodness and tons of beauty that just surrounds my life. That's in my life, and then you're blessed. So Jesus comes, and he does what I call the great reversal. He switches things around. He turns them upside down. It's like someone snuck into the store, and they switched all the price tags, and everything that was once expensive became really cheap, and everything that was cheap became extremely expensive, and he just turns things around in the very beginning and says, listen, what I value is different, and Jesus has the right to give it its value, right, because what gives something its value? What gives money its value? It's not the paper that it's written on. You know, it's probably not even the government that backs it. I won't get into that, but who knows? What makes, it, what makes it valuable is that we assign value to it. If you're trying to sell something, how much is it worth? Whatever someone wants to pay, right? And because someone assigns value to it. And so we try to assign value to things. But Jesus says, listen, when it comes to life, when it comes to life, I assign the values. Because I created it. And if you assign any other values than what I assign to it, then you're wrong. Because Jesus is the assigner of values. You didn't know that was the name for Jesus, did you? I, I just threw that out there. He, he makes the value of something. He says, this is what it is. He declares it to be true. So listen to what he says about, about the people who are blessed, okay? Who are blessed. Oh, my goodness. He says this. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel like you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That moment, you find yourselves the proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. You're blessed when you care, for at the moment of being careful, you'll find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they're uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all of heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Man, when you're in trouble, when people are persecuting you, lying about you, throwing you out, he says, give a cheer. He says, they, the world doesn't see it as valuable, but heaven is applauding you. Yes. You are committed to what is good and what is beautiful and what is right in this world. And, and those particular things, you know, they don't, we're not blessed. Oh, we're so performance-based. We're not blessed because of those things, but we're blessed in the midst of those things. Does that make sense? We're not blessed because we're poor, but we're blessed in the midst of our poverty. Does that make sense? We're not blessed because we're mourning or we're weeping or we feel this loss, but we're blessed in the midst of the loss. Okay, and on the same way, we're not blessed just because we go and care for other people, but in the midst of that caring, we are blessed. And what are we blessed by? It's the presence of Christ that is there with us, 
That's what brings us the blessing. That's what brings us the joy. That's what brings us the contentment. That's what brings us true happiness is because Jesus chooses to bless people that are in this situation because in each of those situations, it opens up opportunities for God. It opens up opportunities for God to show up. So I love the first one. When you're at the end of your rope, you're blessed because there's more room for God. And God loves to show up. it's, It's the way that God has designed and assigned value to what is important in this life. And if we put these words into practice, if we build our lives on these teachings of Christ, then we'll be like the wise builder. We'll have a strong foundation for our life. Jesus Christ is the only foundation that will allow us to weather the storms that this life brings. That's why our theme is true north. Jesus is the only one who can guide us, who can direct us, who can show us the way to live. And our lives will continue to wander and continue to be lost and coming closer at some points but further at others until we realize that Jesus Christ is the one true north, the one who directs our lives. Our our lives, in each moment, we need to make a decision. We need to choose to live in the blessings of Christ, right? So that's how we receive this, this gift is that we choose it. We say, yes, I'm going to choose to believe that I'm blessed, even when things are not going well, even when things are not going right, even in my poverty, even in my hurt, even in my pain, even in my hunger and thirst for righteousness that I don't see. I mean, those are the people who want to see things put right in the world, and they're frustrated because it doesn't seem to be right. And they care about poverty and injustice. And they care about these things so deeply that they hunger for them and they long for them. And there's people who are just trying to make peace. And there's so much anger and so much fighting in this world. And the blessing that we have is when we choose to believe that we are blessed. Amen? When we choose to believe that God has blessed us. Do you know God has blessed you? Do you know that you are blessed? You are blessed because Christ is with you. Christ, you are blessed. You are happy. Your life is exactly what God wants it to be because in whatever situation you're in, he can work. Your life is blessed because you have God. And without God, we would have nothing. And with God, we have everything. I love the way the message puts it. You find yourself the proud owner of everything that can't be bought. I'm blessed because not because I have a lot of things that I've bought, but because I own everything that can't be bought. I have, all, I, have, I have storehouses of love. I have banks of joy. I have yachts of peace. I have lands of plenty. All the things that the one old poet years ago, Thomas Traherne, I love him. He said, the sunrise belongs to me. The sunset belongs to me, right? I can go out and see the most beautiful thing in the world, one of the sunsets that we have, and it's mine. Of course, it's yours, too. It's kind of a shared thing. But you know what I mean, right? We, we possess what God has given us, which is his bounty, which is the overflow, and we need to choose to believe it, okay? And again, even when it's difficult, in your most difficult spot, believe that you're blessed. Not because you're in that spot, but because that's where God chooses to bless you. Let me give you a personal example. Um, sometimes I, I, I kind of feel bad about uh, the particular type of parents that I had. Uh, my mother passed away several years ago. Uh, my father is a wonderful guy, but he just doesn't talk very much, and he had a very hands-off approach. You know, like when I mean hands-off, he'd speak to us about once a month if that was necessary, you know. Um, just a hands-off kind of guy. But, but loving, you know, I, I, I love him, and I know that he's a, he has a good heart, but just, so I didn't really have a lot of, a lot of parenting, 
you know? I, my mother didn't give affection. She had whatever, I don't know, but she, I don't remember my mother ever hugging me. She just had, she just had a real difficulty showing or expressing affection. And, um, and so when my mother died, I felt like I had been mourning the loss of a mother years prior to that. So, so there was this hole, there was this emptiness in my life, you know, especially centered around my mother and that my mother wasn't a very motherly mother. But what, what, what this is saying to me is that I'm blessed, not because of that, but because in that, I came to know God as my heavenly father. And I came to know a love from Jesus Christ that was greater than any kind of love. And I found myself blessed. There happened to be more room in my heart for that kind of love from God. So I'm not blessed because of that deficit, but I'm blessed because in that deficit is where Christ was. That's where Christ met me. And wherever Christ meets you, you are blessed.